and give God praise, glory, and honor. Hallelujah from our apostle, Suzanne Howard. Praise the Lord. So wonderful to see you today. We got a little bit more of a capacity release from the law, huh? Yes. Thank you, Lord. We can go a little higher. We just got to stay safe. Amen. How you doing today? Oh, that's what I was looking for. How you doing today? Amen. Thank you, Lord. Um, let's let's open up like we always do with our scripture on today. Anybody remember what our scripture is in Acts? Uh-oh, we got some apostolic-minded people up in here. Acts 26 and 18. Thank you, Lord. Almost forgot about all of that with this whole pandemic going on. A lot of things stopped and shut down and that little closeness and that major unity just hasn't felt the same. But coming in this room today and just staying focused on what God is speaking to me or showing me, I just could feel the difference in the room today. It's almost like people feel like they've been released from some things. Thank you, Lord. Amen. I almost feel like we haven't even had communion. We have, but I don't feel like we've had communion in months. Amen. It's amazing. Bless the Lord. Who wants to read the scripture for me? Thank you. Come on up to the front for me. Just, I don't want to give you my mic. I don't know. We don't even have to go through anything. It's Acts. What are we reading? 46 and 18. Uh huh. Proclaim it. Beautiful. Acts 26 and 18 for those in your car and those that are online with us, wherever you may be listening from, that is our apostolic commission from the Lord for all of us who are walking through with this end times church. Amen. Yes. You may take your seat. The Lord is good. I thought I was um, done with my teaching from last week that he had given me, but apparently there's going to be two more parts to this. And one I'm going to to take as far as I can today, and hopefully on next week the rest will be done. Anyone remember the title or the teaching from last week? Apostolic Sons and Daughters. And I thought I was done with this, but uh, he's not letting it rest. And while I was sitting there, I was... Um, I went to dinner last night, and while I was at dinner, and I, I thought I was having a, a fabulous dinner as it was until while we were eating, um, Brother Daly came through the restaurant, came over to the table and said hi to us. And I was like, and I thought I was already having a wonderful evening, and now this just took it to another place. And, you know, we almost had church in there just with our conversation, and we went back about 20 years. Now, he's waiting for his food. We went back about probably more than 20 years in, in ministry and things that are going on now and just some things that the Lord has given them to work on, the dailies together. And um, it was just really, really good. And um, when we got outside, we saw his wife out there, and they had shared with us. They were celebrating. I know they're online watching. I don't know if it was 24 years or 28 years. 23 years, celebrating 23 years of marriage, for real. 
I said, Tamisha, when they get up in numbers like that, we need to have like a whole marching band and to honor them. I said, because if I know anything about marriage, in order to make it that many years, some stuff done went on. Hey, I hear a few people say, mm, some stuff done went on. And it doesn't matter what it looks like when we come through the fire or whether we're in the fire. In order to stand with someone for that length of time, you stood through some things, some changes in our own growth, some changes of trying to become one, which I still believe is impossible, <laughs> some changes in um, just you know us growing and learning ourselves and seeking things and aspiring to things on our own individually, some some stuff done went on. So I, I had a, a different appreciation for it. And I was watching this um, series uh, the other day called The Affair. And I was just watching this series. And I, and I didn't think it was any good. But somehow it was on TV. And I caught like the last three of it. And um, the message in that movie, I missed the affair part. But I got to the point where he was trying to be reconnected, if you will, to his family. And what the affairs that he had put his family through had done to the children and the responses. And now that they were adults, and it was really, really mind-blowing. It made me appreciate marriage even more. Yeah. An appreciation meaning a reverential respect for people who join the army of marriage in the Lord. <laughs> May we both come out of this battle alive. <laughs> Amen. So to the dailies, congratulations. You make us proud. Many more to come. And anyone else celebrating their anniversary and anybody who wake up every day just celebrating marriage, glory be to God. Because it's easy when you're single, when you're looking from the outside, how you know you, you can judge and make statements and make comments and they stupid and somebody's stupid. Well, when people hold together 23 years, from what I know at 12 years, don't kill me. 13 years. I was good. At 13 years, we opposite in our relationship. He remembers the dates and the holidays, and I'm like, tweety dee dee dee. To just at, at 13 years to 12 years now? Okay, now you're wrong. See, now we're right together. we both wrong. And um, to, 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 to just know what it took to get to this point. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of forgiveness. It's a lot of shutting your mouth. It's a lot of messing up. Huh. We may have to go back to Relationship Sundays for a while. Recycle that a little bit. Come on, Mary, folks. In your mask. Just take an exhale. That's right. Just relax. <laughs> just, just chill out for a minute. Because I know often we're like this. Because I know... Oh, you hear the audience outside? <laughs> Bless the Lord. They outside blowing a horn. It is definitely ongoing... And what was it that I had read from So Detox? Um, I think it was out of sex. Yeah, it was out of sex in the soul. Marriage is a attack on selfishness, something like that. I paraphrased it a little differently today. But that statement that um, the uh, psychiatrist made that marriage is an attack on self-centeredness. And I was like, man, that's the truth. Got to put that in a, a premarital relationship counseling series. Do you understand that everything about you is going to be slaughtered for the rest of your life? <laughs> Do you know that you think you've known sacrifice and you have not known sacrifice until you've got to share everything? And then if we don't know who we are as individuals, 
if we don't know who we are in Christ as individuals, we will trip each other up, get in each other's way. Now, how many marriages I've seen where one spouse or the other is pursuing God with passion and the other one can't get with it and will totally distract them, if not totally throw them off, and then usually they both end up falling out of God and falling out of church? Hallelujah <laughs> to the horn blower in the parking lot. It's, it's amazing. And, and even this morning, the Lord was bringing back to remembrance to me some things that he was showing me about my husband before we were married. And it's almost like then I was at a different level of immaturity in Christ where I didn't trust the voice of God for myself. And the thing God shows us that we're going to need or that person is going to need from you. And you just kind of like, oh, that's just me having thoughts. Anybody think a lot all day? Maybe you talk to yourself all day that you talk to yourself or you have a lot of thoughts that you kind of like just throw when God talks to you in the same pile with your self-talk. And then things start unraveling and unrolling out and unpacking. And then you kind of realize, like, God was showing me things early on, what I was going to have to do or he was going to require from me or I was going to require from him. And I think the marriage ministry is very important. Um, I know from those that I talked to that work for DCF, there has been a whole lot of DCF cases for domestic violence during this pandemic. Because a lot of us work and we go to school so we don't have to deal with our personal lives. I heard a man on the Christian radio said, there's a lot of traffic today on the highway. Married folks don't want to go home. <laughs> we make jokes like that because you, you, you cannot be a part of this world and understand God's ordination for marriage. And that's why God ordained it because this is nothing man could make up on his own. And it's real life. And just, you know, watching that series last night, I would even recommend it, Minister Brittany, something you can probably pull into the, the marriage ministry. Because how many know that you think that, oh, what's the deal breaker? I ask not even just clients, but those that are going to be married. What's the deal breaker when you get married? If he cheat, if she cheat. And then some have experienced that, and the marriage kept on going somehow. And, you know, everybody, you crazy, you're a fool. Everybody has their comments, and you think you're crazy, and they know they're crazy. And, and, but somehow the marriage keeps on going. And, and the things that you thought were deal breakers, who am I talking to today? Y'all messed my night up with all this. You directed my TV watching because of this. And this morning, he's talking to me on the way in. I like sitting in the back seat, because in the back seat, I don't have to front seat drive. So, I, so I've trained myself to sit in the back seat if at all possible when I'm traveling with anyone because in the front seat, you know, you got to break for them. You got to stare for them. You got to drive for them. But in the back seat, man, do what you do. I'm in the back seat. I can focus on thoughts. And the Lord was just showing me some things. And we need to get back to hearing God because a lot of people are desiring relationship. And scripturally, that's a beautiful thing. But go in prepared. Go in prepared. I, I often think that we go into relationship thinking he's going to be that knight in shining armor. That he's going to put them Christian Louboutins on our feet. And Cinderella's life is going to kick in and everything's going to be happily ever after. And 
And then we realize I'm doing more giving because don't both couples feel that way? Both couples, you be like, you know, I've been doing it, and I've been doing it, and, and then you never thought that they had an apologia. Well, I've been doing it, and I've been, you be like, ooh, you, you have been doing all of that. Let me go back. No argument. I'm going to come back in a couple days when I, when I really got my defense figured out. It's really the, the, the slaughtering of self if you're going to make it. The part of the series when I was doing um, Relationship Sundays, every first Sunday we talked about relationships, family relationships, marriage relationship, singles, because you know I, I had a client the other day and they were like, no, I'm not in a relationship. I said, you live together? You're intimate together? That's a ship. <laughs> what kind of ship is it? I'll let you name it. And then we had to soul detox a little bit and, and discuss what is your image? What comes to mind regarding relationship that you can't call this a relationship? She said, I'm embarrassed at what I settled for. Not him. He's a great person. The fact that I settled for this and now I'm stuck in this for 10 years and it's not moving because I became a friend with benefits and we got stuck at friend as benefits. So she will not put the relationship title on it. So I said, oh, wait a minute. I know it. I saw it on Facebook. It's complicated. <laughs> and, and what they call that ship? Somebody help me. Huh? Situationship. So now we have those uh, compensatory accommodations. <laughs> Because we tried to do it my way instead of God's way. And now we have a compensatory accommodation for marriage called situationship. It's a situation that neither one of us are pretty sure on what it is or what we're doing. But we're going to be a situation until we figure it out. Isn't it amazing how we have fears and phobias in our mind and that we will not call something something and be convinced in our mind that it's not that everybody's like that's a horse no it's not a horse it's an overgrown animal <laughs> no that's that's a horse if I don't call it a horse it's not a horse to me and everybody else is like I'm pretty sure that's a horse denial and I think we've done a pretty poor job at displaying relationship by by fraudulently letting people believe that marriage is always beautiful. We never took the time to be honest with people <laughs> and let them know, um, in my mind, I ain't even married right now. <laughs> Hello? No one told me that there would be, and I'm just sharing, this is not my personal life, we are right right now, praise God. <laughs> Suzanne's been a little quiet, so everything's better. So. <laughs> I, I kind of see that um, there's seasons in marriages where no one knows what they're doing or what's going on. And we're just kind of waiting for something to change. And you're just kind of like hanging out or trying not to hang out with each other. Isn't that crazy? No one told me that there are dark seasons to marriage. You know, and then we make the mistake and we go and talk to our friends and family about it. And then 
we get it together, we come out of our dark season and we're in love again and the friends and family is still very upset at what you shared with them about him or her. And then we get mad when people can't celebrate us on anniversary time because y'all crazy to the rest of us. Because marriage is not something you can do in a normal mind. That's why we're trying to change marriage and the definition of marriage and picking who we think we want for marriage and deciding on this way for marriage and deciding if it doesn't work, I'm going to get out of it and I'm just going to try it again. I remember my role model for marriage was Elizabeth Taylor before Christ. I said, if she got married a bunch of times, I can do it too. And I did not care about the sanctity of marriage. It's a lot of work we've got to do. A lot of work we have to do. And we have to start being honest, church. You don't got to put everybody in your business. But at least be an advice and let people know without telling them your business. You know, there's seasons in marriage, young people, where you don't even know if you're going to make it. And then all of a sudden, the sun comes out and everything's changed and you go again for about five more years prayerfully until something else comes. And then when we understand the spirit world, there is such attack against marriage. So we're not just fighting each other anymore. We're fighting spirits and principalities. Ooh, Jesus. And then if everybody's gonna be judgmental over marriage and just decide or opt out for a situationship, where is the marriage that God ordained? Where are the people that's, was it Hosea? God told him to go marry the whore. Uh-huh, go marry Gomer the whore. Wow, that's prophetic. I don't see none of the prophets y'all follow telling y'all messages like that. And I'll be seeing y'all, ooh, 30 days gonna be a turnaround. I see y'all, click, click, click. I wanna say something to y'all so bad, but I mind's my business. I'm getting better. Oh, in 30 days, your credit going to change. I know that's right. Amen. Praise the Lord. I watch. I know who y'all are. That's why I'm looking down right now. I don't want to look in y'all face. I want to say to y'all so bad, have I raised y'all up on that foolishness? First of all, a prophetic word like that, you can give yourself. And you've got enough in you to give yourself that word. Why don't you ask someone to give you a real word, not a generic word, that has been processed by the factory and templated to go out for likes. Give me a real word. You're going to marry a whore. Because God wants you to understand what the church is doing to him. This is Bible. You should hear what she talked about today. I talked about the Bible. And he said, why, why, do, why am I, what? Ah, while she's out whoring, you are going to take care of the kids because I'm going to use your marriage prophetically as a demonstration and a prophetic message that this is what my church keeps doing to me. I'm left raising the kids while you're out whoring. And when she goes out whoring and comes back with other kids, right, more than likely, you're not the father. You can't say a word. And when she goes out and comes back in, that's your wife. <laughs> that's the Bible. Y'all better check it and make sure that's the Bible. Because that sounds crazy to me. That's why Bishop T.D. Jake say, why watch soap operas? Read the Bible. 
They got more soap opera going on in the Bible than anywhere else to show us there's no perfection of this thing called humanity. There's no perfection of this thing called Christianity. There's no, when I get ready, I'm coming to the church. Tell me when ready is. Because I've been in here a real long time and I ain't ready. <laughs> okay? I'm not ready for a lot of things that Christ has us. But if you read the word of God, you will find Misha's statement. There's a whole lot of other people out here doing worse things. And I rebuked it the other day when I heard that. We don't compare ourselves with things like that. But when you read the Bible, that probably will work, Misha. That's the statement that will work. Man, I ain't David. I ain't murdered nobody. Took their wife and slept with her. Right? You read the Bible, you'll be like, oh, I could do this. <laughs> this is a cinch. I could do this and keep living the way I'm living if the Holy Spirit didn't come to change us and, cor and correct us and guide us. But what they did in the Bible, this is a piece of cake. I may have been some things, but I ain't been Rahab. And the Bible makes it clear she made it to heaven. Another whore who ran a brothel, she produced whores for her kingdom and all she did was look out for God's people and said remember me she had enough in her heart to know that he's real and since you came by to see about me I know this message is for me I want to make sure I make it and remember me they didn't tell her to close down the brothel repent 16 times run around the city gates turn in all your money to the apostles they, they just said we will remember you and the Bible never left it empty for us to create, creatively come up with things of what happened to her. You go in Hebrews, she's in the hall of faith. Sister made it in. She got to heaven and said, I don't look like what I've been through. <laughs> this is how good our God is. And we make this so complex and so difficult. He's a good God. I want to... Hallelujah. I want to talk to you today about paternal care. Paternal care. <laughs> uh, let's read together in our Bibles, 1 Corinthians 4. The text I want you to mark up. Actually, I want you to mark 414. Guess I'm going to need these glasses now. 14 through 17, I believe. Yes. 1 Corinthians 4, 14 through 17. But of course, emphasis is going to be on verse 15. I'm actually going to read it all the way in. I'm going to read 14 to the end. So 1 Corinthians 4, almost towards the back of the book, where all the Enthians are. And let us read. I'm reading from my mental health coach and Bible. What is this? New King James Version. All right. I do not write these things to shame you, Apostles House. But as my beloved children, I warn you. For through you, I'm sorry, for though you might have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I have begotten you. How did I begotten you? Through the 
What's the, yeah, through the gospel. Somebody's reading the Bible with me. For through Christ Jesus, I have begotten you through the gospel. Verse 16, therefore, I urge you, imitate me. For this reason, I have sent Timothy to you. Basically, what he's saying is Timothy is an imitator of me. So now I can send him to you. For this reason, I have sent Timothy to you, who is my beloved and faithful son. He's calling him a son. He did not birth him through his mankind. He birthed Timothy through Christ Jesus and through the gospel, right? Who is my beloved and faithful son in the Lord, who will remind you. What is he reminding the people of? Uh-huh, Apostle Paul's ways. Who will remind you of my ways in Christ as I teach everywhere in every church. That's powerful. He said, I don't write these things to shame you because some of y'all haven't been able to handle rebuke yet. So you think somebody wants to shame you or embarrass you or, you know, you, you didn't have the, the parents that corrected you or taught you any discipline in this generation, I'm told, especially the generation that's still in school right now, Generation X, I was reading statistically going through my um, mental health coaching classes, and they're teaching us that um, it's a high number. I think it was like 78% of Generation X um, are being raised in one-parent households or if not by grandmothers, which means they can go and break a window and mommy's going to nurture them and care for them and tell them it's going to be all right. I'm going to pay for the window because dad is absent. These little Johnnies aren't raised with accountability and responsibility. They don't know how to apologize. They don't know how to go and get a paper out or whatever they do nowadays to make money to pay for it. Mommy just wants to make you feel better. So we're raising up sons and daughters now, and especially Generation X. Those are the ones that are in um, like K through six right now. They are coming out with entitlement issues. They don't have to apologize. They don't have to make amends for things. They do not have to be accountable. There's no responsibility of this because when God picked parents, he didn't pick two women or two men because he didn't love us or he didn't understand our compensatory accommodations for this struggle. He knew what he put in each gender is what it would need to properly raise a child so that mom can do the job of nurturing and loving and caring and making you feel safe, but preparing you for when dad comes home. I don't know how many in here have been raised in a two-parent household. I was raised in a two-parent household. My mother wasn't really nurturing and all of that. Now, we're we going to try to, when I, I remember when I wrote all over the bedroom wall with a crayon. I guess I wanted a big blackboard back then, and I just had a good old time all over the, and them days it was wallpaper. Everything was flowered wallpaper. So I tore her flowered wallpaper wall up. And after she popped my hand so hard, the crayons fell out. She said, now we're going to get this cleaned up before your father come home. So that was her nurturing. I'm going to eliminate some of the problem before daddy come home. So that was the protection and the securing me. I got your back. We're going to do this together. That was setting a role in me. But when he came home, that was the accountability and the responsibility. And he actually made me apologize to mom. He said, your mother's the one that worked on this wall. She's the one that makes this house a home. She's the one that has our house looking good and clean all the time. She did this. I want you to apologize to your mom. And I was like, well, she's already on my side. 
But how many know when mom and dad get together, they, they, they play you? My mother had a whole attitude. That's right. That's right. I was like, you just told me we was going to settle this before dad came home. But do you see the balance? So they taught me responsibility, accountability. So I got the balance of the, the both of them. It's dysfunctional as the world is right now and parenting is. Still, there was a balance of both responsibility and nurturing. I felt safe enough to admit what I had done. I felt safe enough to be accountable for what I had done. And now because this generation doesn't have the safety that they're not going to be accountable or responsible because they don't feel safe enough to do it. Or they're getting so much safety, I feel so safe, I just don't have to apologize. That's just something you got to deal with. There's a balance that's necessary by having both parents. Do y'all hear me? How many know that developing relationships is a lot of work? The problem is being apostolic in our foundation, that means we follow after Jesus Christ, which are the acts of the apostles, being apostolic makes this a fundamental piece of what we do. The apostle Paul and the apostle Peter laid the foundation for the church. And apostle Paul taught specifically, took time to teach us what it is to raise up sons and daughters. And he made it clear, I raised you up through the gospel through Jesus Christ. I need you to imitate me. I want you all to go through that and underline what it is to be a spiritual son or daughter. First thing, there is no shame in your correction or rebuke. That's the first line. I didn't do this to shame you. You are my beloved children, so I warn you. For though you might have 10,000 instructors, you got mentors and coaches and you in all these groups and all these networks, yeah, and I got you, and they in Christ, real good, yet you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I have begotten you through this gospel. So therefore, I have a right to urge you to imitate me. For this reason, I have sent Timothy, my imitator, to you, who is my beloved and, what's the next word? faithful son in the Lord who will remind you of my ways in Christ Timothy must have been really tested and vetted that apostle Paul one could even consider him someone to go to one of his ministry that he's worked hard and toiled for what's the big deal we just said developing relationships is a lot of work a lot of us who are broken in our spirits and our souls don't want relationships because we know it's a lot of work and there's a chance we may get broken or hurt. So I'm just not dealing with people right now. You ever hear that from somebody? Oh, I don't deal with people. I don't hang around after church because I just don't deal. You're broken. I don't hear you saying that I don't mess with people. I hear you saying I'm broken and I'm hurting. I don't socialize. I don't go to this. I don't do that. I see movie night and it's nice, but I don't bother because I don't want to connect with people because you're broken and you're hurt, especially in the church. Because the church, like our natural families, we expect a lot from. So our high expectations are easily not met. So you can really put a lot of things under the category of church hurt. Because the expectations that you have, I'm pretty sure you never sat down with anyone and asked for the boundaries. Where does my responsibility begin and where does it end? Where does your responsibility begin and where does it end? What do you expect of me and what can I expect of you? So when there's no clarity of boundaries, I can expect what I want from you, never tell you, but always see that you let me down. 
Sounds like marriage, right? What do you want to eat? I don't know. What do you want to eat? I don't know. Would you say Friday night to me? I want to take you out to dinner. What do you want? I don't know. I ain't hungry. We finally make it to the car about three hours later. He's like, what do you want to eat? I don't take it eat. I don't know. He want lobster? Nope. You don't want lobster? Mm-mm. Now in the mood for lobster. All right. Let's go around the corner. I'm just going to go to Ruby Tuesday. Ruby Tuesday? <laughs> Holy Spirit says, shut up. I got there. Can I have some chicken quesadillas? I don't know. I don't know. But as soon as you hear what you don't want, you know you don't want it. It's the same relationship. Mind readers, developing relationships is a lot of work. And it's fundamental in apostolic ministries, y'all. We cannot call ourselves apostolic and not be involved in developing relationships. There are many reasons for not raising sons and daughters, including the lack of those who want to be raised. Okay, I'm done. See y'all next Sunday. <laughs> many reasons, including those who, want, who don't want to be raised as spiritual sons and daughters. There's a lack of it. A lack of those who want to be raised by true spiritual fathers and an increase of rebellion. This is so massive right now. Rebellion in the heart of God's children. I bet if we took the time statistically with the ages that are in church right now, across the board, not just the apostles' house, across the board, we will be able to find the link to the rebellion that is in this generation. Because this is a rebellious generation. Everything is control. I mean, I've, I've, I've done a lot of work in my son over the recent years, but anything I say to him, I'm not going to be controlled. Controlled? Boy, you asked for a loan. <laughs> Everything is about control. I don't like feeling controlled. I'm not going to be controlled. Okay, fall down. Call me so I can control you when you need help getting up. Control. Everything is with this generation is about control. Some of y'all honest and shaking your head. There's something that's off in y'all that is causing this, this rebellious mentality because somebody has lied to you and you've partnered with the lie of your rebellion that when someone brings correction to your life, try to bring value to your life, you go into automatic rebellion because in your mind it signals control. And then you stay down and can't get back up. And then the enemy comes in like a flood and causes shame and embarrassment on you so now you won't ask for help because pride goes before destruction. This generation, what I have to deal with in this ministry, with the generation that I really need to see come forth, because when I look across the board at our age, I'm wondering who's taking the church after us. And I've, I've sat with my leaders, and I said, we've got a problem. We've, we've been to a lot of churches, and we've looked out, and we're like, there's no generation here to take this church over. I don't know if y'all know enough about me, but I will not be one of those pastors that's preaching with Alzheimer's in the pulpit. I plan on, while I can skip and do, living somewhere nice with the, with the, the man God gave me and walking the beach and writing books and having dinner at the sunset while my feet is in the sand. I'm not going to be up here with y'all. I refuse to believe that that's the life God has for me. I refuse to believe that what's on my life cannot develop sons and daughters that can carry out this ministry. I refuse to believe that. And I refuse also to arm wrestle with rebellious disciples. Part of this teaching 
is going to give you all some clues as to what it is to be sons and daughters. Look for it in yourself. Find out where you need to do a spiritual wake up, a makeover perhaps, so that you can come into the fullness of what Christ has for you. Rebelliousness gets no one nowhere. And I'm saying it like that on purpose. When you have the mentality, I'm going to do what I want to do, you're going to do what you want to do. Y'all remember Matthew Stevenson? His teaching, and I introduced it to the church. He said, when I have to fight with anyone in the ministry, they go in the other box. And I have to go back from time to time to check on them to see if they're ready yet. Because the purpose of rebuke isn't to hurt your feelings, isn't to bring you to a mindset where you say, um, uh, well, I'm just going to do this anyway. Apostle, on the microphone, you can rebuke me later. No, I'm going to rebuke you now. You do it openly, I'm going to rebuke you openly. And that's the word of God. But rebelliousness would tell you, I'm going to do this anyway. How many times have we heard that? But apostle, you can rebuke me later. Excuse me, you don't know me. I'm responsible for the souls and the ear gates that are taking in what you're saying. We're going to learn order. We're going to learn better behavior, spiritual protocol, because we need to make it to the end, y'all. This morning, driving in, the Holy Spirit said to me, so you've been thinking about church planning, huh? I said, yes, Father, I have. He said, not till you have sons and daughters. So I got to go erase it off my vision board and put it down a few more steps because I had that ready for the new year. He said, if they're not sons and daughters, you're going to send them out and they're going to do what? They're not raised in your gospel that you taught them through Christ Jesus. They still got their own gospel. You haven't begotten them. They're begotten by who they listen to on Facebook, social media platform, whose services and conferences they go to. If you don't give them a prophetic, you haven't begotten them yet. They can't take rebuke and correction. Do they have a teachable spirit? They may can pastor and preach, but they're not yours yet. He said, look for those who imitate you, Suzanne. Look for the Timothy that you can send out because he's beloved and faithful in the Lord who will remind the churches that you plant of our ways in Christ, not their way. 18 said, now some are puffed up (laughs) as though I were not coming to you. But I will come to you shortly if the Lord wills. And I will know, not the word of those who are puffed up, but the power. I love this next part. Verse 20, for the kingdom of God is not in word, blah, 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 blah. I'm just saying The kingdom of God is not in words, but in power. What do you want, Apostles House? What do you want, online viewers, parking lot listeners? What do you want, the Monday leaders who tap into what we're teaching here? What do you want? Shall I come to you with a rod or in love in a spirit of gentleness? What do you want? Apostle Paul had a vested interest in the success of his spiritual son, Timothy. Somebody say vested interest. 
That means when somebody takes the time to mentor you, counsel you, coach you, pastor you, they're not doing it for nothing. They're doing it because they also have a vested interest in you. They want to see the God in you come out. They want to see what has been spoken over your life come to pass. They want to see you beat those devils in your own life before you try to minister to those outside of your own life. They want to see you endure to the end. They want to see you be the imitators of Christ and the DNA of your leader. You can hear the heart of the Father when Apostle Paul says to Timothy, for though you have 10,000 instructors in Christ even, yet you do not have many fathers. I asked the Lord, I said, you, you told me that there is no gender in the realm of the spirit. So when you use father, you're using the term of the role, not defining the gender. I said, you said that there's no gender in the realm of the spirit. So a woman can birth women and men. But yet in this scripture that I researched in Acts 2 and 17, the Bible designates gender when the word of God says in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. Why are you designating gender if there's no gender in the realm of the spirit? Anybody can see in that scripture why? No one? Let me help you out. I'm going to teach you how to finish a thought in God, how to understand the Bible without just reading like a Hallmark card. In the last day, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon what? All flesh. So who is God talking to? Flesh. That's why he took the time to designate in this text, male from female, boys from girls, what else did he call it? Sons and daughters. Because he's pouring out not on the spirit, he's pouring out the spirit on the flesh. So he's letting you know, though you are sons and daughters, you're going to be of the spirit when I pour out my flesh upon you. So there's no designation in Christ. I'm a spiritual father. Do you remember that teaching? I am a spiritual father. And when you get caught up with denominations and religions that begin to break it down by gender, they have reverted back to the natural man when they're teaching spiritual matters. When you read the Bible spiritually, as Corinthians tells, I think it's 1 Corinthians tells you, you cannot understand things of the spirit unless it's by the spirit. Because if you do this with your open eyes, your man eyes, or your female eyes, you're going to begin to divide the Bible by color, by creed. And he made it very clear to us. I don't care about the Jews or the Greek. I don't care about male or female. I'm pouring out my spirit on all flesh, and you're all going to be me. That's what your leader is looking for the opportunity to do, to pour out their spirit on you. So that you can convert from your old ways and your old thinking. And you can come into the blessing of what God has for you. And every establishment in this earth, whether it's family or established organizations, there is order. And there's always someone higher at the top to go to for instruction, correction, promotion, advancement. And it's the same way in the church. We just don't like order and protocol because we've been a rebellious generation. So we've been missing that missing link 
and to the fulfillment of who God has called us to be. Who do you submit to? You're just freestyling. Who do you submit to? That's something to think about. Who do you honor? Mike Murdoch has nice little short, quick read books. I recommend getting the one on honor. Who do you honor? Honor goes up. You can't honor below and you can't honor your equal. And if you have no one in your life that you honor, there's nothing coming down on your life. And if it comes, it's not permanent. Who do you honor? Is there anyone that you can respect and know their business? Are you at an immature state that when you find out someone's sins or proclivities or issues, you just wipe them out of the Bible? Let me erase David out of here. David don't belong in here. He wasn't living like a righteous man. What, you end up whiting out the whole Bible. Who do you honor? Honor has to flow, y'all, from the top down. This is a spiritual, universal law. Some sons and daughters only want blessings, not correction and guidance by loving apostolic fathers. I had one son that was, that was coming into the developmental stage of a relationship, and the Lord told me to tell him no on something. And I was like, but I already told him, yeah, tell him no. But I already told him, yeah, tell him no. I want you to see what you're working with. I said no. Poo, I was dogged on Facebook, and I mean in 24 hours, I was put out to the pasture, shot dead. The Lord said, this is what you were going to cover? They're not ready yet. The result for many of God's leaders has been to follow the path of least resistance by concentrating on their own ministries and avoiding further aggravation. Anybody seen that? Anybody been in a ministry where you just wonder why they're not developing you? Why they won't spend time with me? Why I can't even get in by appointment? I always have to see someone else? Always? Not even by appointment? I understand busy schedules. I, someone was in here not too long ago telling me that they had an appointment with their leader. It was six months out. Then when the six months came, they was like, you sure you can't see one of us? Because we've gotten to a place right now where we follow the path of least resistance. Leaders are hurt. They're bleeding and they're broken. And it's because we have not been trained correctly to know when a cheese it is a cheese it or when it's just cheese. So we've turned inward. We begin to concentrate on our own ministries to avoid further pain and aggravation. It takes more time, listen, it takes more time to raise a spiritual son or daughter than it does to convert a sinner. Think about this when you have questions about leadership or why we do things the way we do, or, you know, have an eye to see, this leader's been, this leader's been broken. This leader is, is hurting. And that's why they, they can't, they don't have the capacity to pour anything in me right now because they haven't gotten their own healing yet. It takes more time to raise a spiritual son or daughter than it does to convert a sinner. So we spend time in our ministries converting sinners and forgetting about the sons and daughters. The cry of the spirit, though, is the return of apostolic fathers towards the sons and daughters and sons and daughters towards the father. I want you to lay your hand on your heart if you're seeking this relationship. And I just want you to make a cry. Just make a, 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 a plea to the Lord. Just speak to the Lord and ask him to place in you the desire towards spiritual father. 
For decades, the church has been missing the spirit of the Father in our churches and in our homes. Remember, our society, listen people, our society is a mirror of the spiritual condition in our nation of our churches. The family is under attack. God spoke of the turning spirit of Elijah returning to the church in his last days. He said in Malachi 4 and 6, and he will turn the heart of the fathers towards the children and the heart of the children towards their fathers. Listen to this. Look how powerful God is. Lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. Somebody say times are changing. Mm -hmm. Times are changing. The Holy Spirit is challenging hearts and reversing them from self-centeredness to helping and developing others. Millions of children have been raised in single-parent homes, mostly by good mothers doing the best they could. But how many know that's not God's best? The role of mothers, however, is different from fathers. They'll take that time and, and nurture disobedience. Make excuses for disobedience. Deny accountability for disobedience. Because to mama, you always baby boy. When a child in this day and age runs home, who do they run home to? Mother or mother and father? More statistics have shown that they run home to mommy. And that's hurtful. And we're seeing it in our society because the role of mothers is different from fathers. Mothers nurture and comfort. Fathers set rules and boundaries for behavior. How many people I counsel and the man has no say-so over his children in the household? And then we wonder why they grow up to be man-haters. They can't respect leadership because in the home they were never taught how to respect leadership and that the man, you can just ignore the man. Mothers nurture and comfort. What do mothers do? Fathers set rules and boundaries for behavior. What do fathers do? Fathers also discipline and correct. Say it. I'm your spiritual father. Just remember that. Spiritual fathers should never replace natural fathers. A lot of people come in and they want, they want to call me mommy. They want a, a mother because they want to replace what they didn't have but they've never learned how to submit to that one. So it's easier for me to convert a sinner than to convert you into a son or a daughter. So you have to pray my strength so that I stay in God's will, that I have the capacity and the energy and the spiritual fortitude to help you to convert to one of the best allegiances you can have in your Christian walk with God, having spiritual parenting over you. Submission to oversight. Say it. Submission to oversight. How did submission feel? Did some of y'all start vomiting? Did demons start coming out? Just the word submission bothers a lot of people. Psychological triggers. Words can trigger different manifestations in your body. For some people, they have been so abused by adults and leadership, anything to do with authority, they get sick. They have an image, and it's called psychological trigger. There's a psychology to a word that will trigger a response from you. And it's usually never based on the truth. Am I making sense to anyone? Yeah. A mentor offers instruction, advice, guidance, and counsel. 
Don't expect, listen, a a true spiritual father to ignore your mistakes. Why I can't even post what I want on Facebook. Do not expect a true spiritual father to ignore your mistakes. I'm your father. You opened the door to that relationship. And now I see you making yourself and the gospel look ridiculous on Facebook. I have to say something to you. Cancel the relationship. Change the role. Obviously, you weren't a son or a daughter anyway. Don't expect a true spiritual father to ignore your mistakes, your personality malfunctions either. Correction is designed to help. Can somebody say that? Correction Correction. is designed to help me. It's to help me grow both spiritually and emotionally. A lot of the mistakes we make in church are not spiritual mistakes. They're emotional mistakes that affect people's spiritual lives. Spiritual fathers do not replace your relationship with God either. They point you towards a dependency on the Lord and away from themselves. Possibly, why haven't you given me a prophetic word? Because I'm wondering when you're going to tell me the prophetic word you got from prayer for yourself. It is Jesus that is the author and finisher of your faith. Identifying sons and daughters. I have many sons and daughters for you in every nation if you will go. Son from the Latin word is S-U. Two simple letters, S-U. And it means to give birth. Can a son give birth? In the natural world, cannot. So how do we back up the fact that if Apostle is preaching the truth, is she studied, is she teaching the truth, when the Bible says that a son gives birth? He's not talking about a gender. Son in the Latin is S-U, and it means to give birth. Not everybody that attends our ministry is a spiritual son or daughter. Some are sheep. Some are disgruntled goats. Some are barbarous wolves. Others are just good people passing through. So how do you know who your spiritual sons and daughters are? One time in the Holy Spirit, it was stated to me that I have many sons and daughters for you in different nations, if you will just go. Pursuit is key number one. Can you write it down? I'll give you all this, and then we're just about done, because y'all look like y'all is already tapped out. Pursuit is the key. It doesn't mean that you were the one that led them to the Lord, leaders. It's possible to have many spiritual sons and daughters that heard the salvation message through someone else. And I hope you have, because I don't want to take you that long way. Hundreds of people have told me they wanted me to be their spiritual covering. To know who they are, I look for pursuit. Like everybody else, I'm busy and I want to spend my time with the right people. Can I get an amen? Amen. Anybody busy and want to spend their time with the right people? When we have meetings or traveling or whatever the case may be, if I take the time and expense to spend with you, to have you travel with me, and you can't attend any of the things that we went to do there, then I know you're just a talker. And my time with you is invaluable. I spend my time with workers, not talkers. (laughs) 
Should I go back to the beginning? I do not write these things to shame you. The same goes for identifying your spiritual sons and daughters. Talk is cheap, and it doesn't mean much. How many of us have seen a lot of that? Can't say a word, just wave your hand. Pursuit tells you who they are. If they are not pursuing, then don't spend much of your time with them. On the other hand, those who do pursue are the ones you can do exploits with and help them become champions. Spend your time with them and watch them become all that God has called them to be. Our educational system has given us a pattern of learning based on lectures and exams. That's why when most students get out of higher education, they say the last thing they want to do, right? Bible college people is want to spend any more time in a lecture or an exam, and nowadays, anything online. Students learn only to pass academic tests. Did we learn that in the Timothy Institute? They just want to pass. They want to impress us with their grades. I never even asked what their grades are. Teaching to pass a test is not the biblical model for learning. The learning pattern throughout scripture is to find a mentor who teaches and trains you through internship. Somebody say, push me in and tell me to swim. <laughs> Paul mentored Timothy, Silas, Erastus, and Elijah, taught Elisha, and Joshua interned with Moses. All creation is waiting for the sons of God to manifest. Romans 8 and 19, without spiritual fathers, there can be no revealing of sons. Here's marks of true spiritual fathers. Are you ready? This is for you. I'm giving boundaries of our relationship. This is what you should expect for, look for, know that you can receive if I'm a true spiritual parent. Trustworthy. Should have had them up here. Y'all could have wrote them down quicker. Guide. They're always willing to guide you, not push you over. Don't mix my rebuke with a pushover. Protect. There's a protection built into spiritual parenting and covering. They're going to protect you even in mess. Isn't that something? And then when we get in the back door, we're going to unpack this mess. <laughs> They're going to direct you, even when you don't ask for it. They're going to nurture. They're going to shape and mold you for your calling. Shape and mold. Discipline. Mm-hmm. It feels good. Yeah. It just don't feel good going down. They're going to encourage you. Wait till y'all find out what the real meaning of encourage means. It's not the encouragement we think it is in America. Give wisdom. You definitely want that from a spiritual parent. That's probably the most popular one that we hear from people who are in a spiritual parenting relationship is that I can call my spiritual covering. They always give me wisdom, but there's so much more. They will instill purpose. 
for those that are listening, those that are watching, those that are here in the room today, those who are not a part of the Apostles' House. This is what you should be looking for wherever you have your citizenship and your membership at. Can this ministry offer you this? Are your leaders too busy with other things that they don't take the time to do this? Or are they too hurt from trying to do this in the past? There's books out on some of the greats um, whoever we did the sonship on. And he talked about how long it took him to get back at the wheel. Um, Bishop E. Bernard Jordan, he gave a testimony when we were with him. And he said how he had birthed so many sons and daughters and they turned on him. And that he was alone and, for, and years went by. How many know you can be hurt for years and not even know it's been years? Anybody else has been like, come on, this has been years. This has been a month to you. He said years went by and he realized he wasn't birthing spiritual sons and daughters anymore. Because it cost a lot to invest. What did I open up with? Relationships what? Hard work. I guess that goes with marriage, right? They give wisdom, instill purpose, give hope. Consistency. There should be some consistency in their life. Most sons and daughters will come in and lack consistency. And your spiritual covering, your spiritual parent will let you know, you've got to get consistent in something. Matter of fact, I posted it the other day. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Jack of all trades, master of none. We've got to narrow down what God has called us to do. You know, low, low self-esteem will have you being great in many things. But the thing God has called you to do, you don't have the time to do it because you're trying to show everybody that you can do everything. What is the purpose that God has called you to do? Your spiritual covering is going to push you into that. They're going to tell you, you know, I know you like doing this, but you need to stop it. You need to leave this alone for a season. You need to reconsider this. But you're trying to tell me what to do. No, that's your rebellious mindset. You're having a psychological trigger right now. Now, you, you gave me this relationship. You opened this door. You're going to have to trust me in this. And if somehow we've made a mistake, then we'll course correct this thing together. But where you're going, you're spending energy and time and money. You know, you know what the most expensive commodity is, y'all? Time. We can never get it back. No matter what color you are, no matter what class you are, no matter what money you have in the bank. Having a spiritual covering will save you years of stuff. My whole ministry, I, I looked for spiritual covering that I knew could handle who I was and where God called me to be. When I was reading some of Jonas Clark's material, he's an apostle in Florida. He said he lacked a lot in his life because no one took the time to invest in him. He said a lot of people started with him and have evolved and conquered leaps and bounds because they had spiritual parents. And he said he realized that when apostles struggle with spiritual parents themselves, it's because God has called them to parent others. But it's a lot of work. Somebody say a lot of work. Somebody say it's a lot of work, apostle. You'll meet people today that says, I'm not going to have kids. That's too much work. This is natural. I don't think I'm ready for kids. I'm going to love my nieces and nephews, and I'm going to spoil them all over them. But having kids are a lot of work. How many said, I didn't know after two what they turned into? I didn't know they're not cute anymore after four. I didn't know they had attitudes, and I can't put the socks on them that I want to put on them. So getting dressed in the morning takes a half hour longer while I mentor their life on socks. 
Peyton wants to wear high heels to school every day. You can't wear high heels to school, Peyton. So everything in the morning takes longer now because they're developing. And your spiritual parent is going to come in and tell you why. It may not be wrong, but why not now? Can you hear that? Instill purpose. Give hope. Consistency. Listen. Listen. Y'all get nervous when I listen. Pastor, you're not saying anything? Not today. <laughs> They're involved. <laughs> involved. Instill moral values. Nope, you're not getting a divorce. Go sit down. See me in a year. Live with them for now. Find a way to be happily ever after during your dark season. Apostle, if I have to, I'll go around you. Well, go. See how far that's going to get you. Not doing it. Tell somebody, somebody say, Apostle, keep going. Demand integrity. Your spiritual covering should not have a problem demanding integrity for you, from you. If they're worried about you leaving, then they're not trying to develop sons and daughters. It's a trickery to what they're trying to develop. Demand integrity. Develop character. I got a lot of work, right? Maybe I should have y'all grade me. Provide spiritual leadership. And correct. Let's see if everybody has the same number. What number do we have? How many? We got 17, 18, 19. <laughs> it's 19. Trustworthy, guide, protect, direct, nurture, shape and mold, all one. Discipline, encourage, give wisdom, instill purpose. Give hope, consistency. You missed hope. Instill purpose, give hope, consistency. Listen, involved, instill moral values. Demand integrity. Develop character. Provide spiritual leadership. And your most favorite part? Correct. I'll finish with this section, and next week I'll tell y'all y'all's responsibility. 1 Corinthians 4 and 14 says, I write not these things to shame you, my beloved sons and daughters, but to warn you. Warn in the Greek. Let me spell it for you. If I was to try to pronounce it, I would pronounce it nothetio. N-O-U-T-H. N-O-U-T-H-E-T-E-O. Warn means to admonish to bring caution, to exhort. As you know, how we encouraged and comforted and charged every one of you as a father does his children, that you walk worthy of God who hath called you to his kingdom and glory, according to 1 Thessalonians 2, 11 through 12. Please write the scriptures down. For the sake of time, I'm not going to go through all of that because we're just about done. Spiritual leadership sets a good example before you. Can you look at your spiritual leadership as someone who's setting a good example before you or are you making a lot of excuses for them? 
1 Corinthians 4 and 16 says, Wherefore I beseech you, be ye followers of me. Now, for someone to say that if it wasn't scripture read, people would have a problem. Oh, that's arrogant. That's narcissistic. We're supposed to be following Christ. You see the relationship that God has set in order? Be ye followers of me. We all need an earthly template. Spiritual fathers admonish. 1 Corinthians 4, 19 through 21. I'll read it, but I will come to you shortly if the Lord will and will know not the speech of them which are puffed up, but the power for the kingdom of God is not in word, but in come on. What do you want? Should I come to you with a rod or in a love and in the spirit of meekness? Pastor D, you and I talk about this one all the time. The last scripture, Romans 8 and 19. The relationships between spiritual fathers and sons and daughters are significant in the local church. Without strong spiritual fathers, we cannot have strong spiritual sons and daughters. Makes sense, right? Again, scripture declares the entire world is waiting. What is the entire world waiting for? Is this relevant in our time right now? We're seeing a lot of jacked up, messed up, what do we call them? Crazy wolves, boisterous wolves, barbaric. What kind of goats was they? Bastards. That's what, a, that's what a goat is. A goat is a bastard. It has an orphan spirit. It's not going to submit. The, the, goat, the purpose of the goat is it's the ones that go butt, butt. Goats butt. So when the Bible refers to goat, it's the people that always butt, butt, butt. Put them in the outer box. Check them again in 30, 90 days. Because it will wear you out. The purpose of rebuke is not to make you feel bad or to embarrass you or to shame you or make you feel insignificant. The only reason why people feel that way after rebuke is because they're not healed yet. It's a psych Words have psychological triggers attached to them. Some in my counseling, I'll say, close your eyes. Father, hatred. Mother, passive and they'll just you should hear the words nothing says love security warmth family the words that are psychologically attached to some simple words you will be surprised what comes out and then some of us will go ahead and marry them some of us will go ahead and make sons and daughters out of them father help us am i making sense next week we'll pick up on the benefits of sonship what are your benefits and let me tell you right now how many so you can keep up with it. One, two, three, four, five. There'll be five benefits to sonship. Why should I get involved in sonship? I've hurt, been hurt by enough people who said they were my covering. And you know that's what we get a lot here. And we have to be um, have a capacity to love people enough through their hurt. Because a lot of people that come to the apostles' house, which what we were founded on, was people hurt by ministries. Hurt by parents who said, I love them that I got your back, and you find out they had, there was no desire. Anybody have a leader gossiping about them to their own family? And then the kids look at you, and you wonder why people's kids won't talk to you this week, and they talk to you. Kids are a signal to what's going on in that house. And when kids don't know they have the freedom to love you or the expression to love you, it's because they're hearing those phone calls and things that go on, and the kids are confused. Watch what you talk. You'll be surprised what they hear. 
After that, I'm going to give you the pitfalls of sonship. And then we'll be done. And I think we can do it all by next week. Hearts and minds clear? So that means y'all have no questions? How many of those in here believe that they are sons and daughters, that they were sent to this ministry to be sons and daughters? Wow. We got a lot of work to do. I know one young man was on my mind this morning, and I, I won't call him out for real, for real. Usually I'll say it and I'll call you out. And um, the Lord told him that he's supposed to be traveling with me. And the father spoke that word through an entire, through, through a worship service that we had here. Sometimes, sorry, sir, didn't mean to do it to you that way, with honor for my prophet security. Sometimes you may not know it, you may want it, but because of what you've experienced before, you'll be like, now nah, I'm just going to chill. I'm staying in a safe place. But then someone will come in and reveal to you, that's your mother. Anybody heard that one? That's your spiritual covering right there. That's your leader. That's, your, that's where you belong. That's where you need to be. You're supposed to travel with this person. The Lord will speak to assure you through your brokenness and through your hurt, through being dropped by natural parents. And then going through the church trying to find love and maybe a little respect, some purpose. Don't just use me. When I came into the church, you could have my money. I, I had money where I was coming in from. So money wasn't a thing for me. When they wanted the van fixed, I was the first one up. When they wanted a baptismal pool, first one up. And if I didn't have it, I'd call my drug dealer friends. And I say, look, my church trying to do this, and you know I'm into the church now. Man, if, if this is going to keep you in the church, tell them I'm going to buy them they pool. Well, I can't tell them you're going to buy it because they might have some issues with you. Oh, they can't take drug money? Because silver and gold never did anything for me. If I believe in you, you're going to get everything I have. Anybody have that heart? Anything that God tells me to do or give, just don't hurt me. How many of y'all can say that? Woo, I feel your hearts in here right now. Whoever's that I'm picking up right now, just stand up for a moment and just lift your hands or hold your hands in front of you, whatever you're able to do. The Holy Spirit is going to minister to you right now. He's going to take traces of those memories and he's going to cause you to literally forget them. God is going to take the waters of baptism, the waters of the mikvah, the ones that shower down, not the baptism we do that you sit in the water, the mikvah, the baptism that's going to wash your soul from the hurt and the shame and the pain. Some of y'all are waiting for them to call you and apologize or to call and to invite you back and it's not going to happen because God has brought you out of a place to bring you to a promised place. Jesus, we bless your name. Father, for those that are standing up right now, those who maybe have their hand on their screen in their cars or out in the parking lot, those that are over on the grass field, those that are watching online from anywhere, Father, just right now you know, Father, whose hands are lifted, whose hands are on the screen. Father, they're asking for a healing bomb in Gilead. They're asking for the anointing for healing this day. They desire to come in to the relationship of sonship with their spiritual father, oh God, but they know that there's triggers in them, there's words that trigger responses in them, there, there's a fight or flight mentality still in them, oh God, but today, Father, they stand, and they stand like David said, in the need of prayer. They're not here for their mother, they're not here for their spouse, 
They're not here for their children, oh God. They stand this day for themselves asking, heal me, Father, that it is not even a memory in my soul anymore. Take this from my consciousness. Take this from my subconsciousness, Father, and bury it so that it can no longer hinder me cause me to be in broken relationships cause me to have a vagabond mentality on my life cause me father whenever I take five steps I lose gravity and I go back ten cause me that when I meet good people I look for little things and the enemy always validates that evil that judgmental spirit that I look for wash me with hyssop today purge me father so that I will not be the one paying the cost of broken relationship along my life. Father, you said in your word that when I call on you, Pastor D, what does he do? He comes for you, but when you cry to him, he comes and see about you. Person, he is coming to see about you right now, ma'am. Ma'am, he's coming to see about you right now. You know who I'm talking about. My voice is echoing in your belly. You know that this word is for you right now in the name of Jesus. Begin to glorify your father. Begin to magnify your father in heaven. And he's going to give you the power and the wherewithal to walk in a relationship with your spiritual covering. In the name of Jesus, sir. He's talking to you, sir. He's talking to you right now. And he wants you to lay your hand on that screen right now. There's an anointing of transference that's going to take place to you because God is sick and tired of all the users and abusers of your gift. God has come to see about you today. Your help is nigh. Your help is nigh, says the Lord. Just lift your hands and give him glory everywhere. All of you, lift your hands and give him glory. Father, I will trust and obey in you, God. God. I will trust and obey your sent messenger, oh God. I will trust the house that you sent me to. And if I can't trust the house, I will leave without disrupting the house because my purpose and plan is not to be anti-church, but to settle in, to become a son and daughter so that my destiny can be thwarted and loosed in the things of God and no longer roaming to and fro. I am a child of the most high God will find my resting place in him. If you agree with me, say in Jesus' name, I receive it today and I trust God that it is done. Now I will be accountable to the work. I will watch for psychological triggers, familiar responses, and familiar spirits. I will walk in wholeness as Christ has made me whole. In Jesus' name, amen. Bless the Lord. Come on, if you love him, bless him. Hallelujah. Come on, if you can speak in the heavenly language, I want you to just worship him in tongues right now. Doesn't matter what it sounds like. Give it the best you have right now. God is going to feel you. He's going to unstraighten that tongue. He's going to take the control out of you, the need and hurt. He's going to take the need to control from you because you've been let down and abandoned. This is the day that the Lord has made and you have a right to rejoice in this day. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 I'm healed. Amen. I'm whole. 
wonder in your soul. He's turning it around in your soul. He's turning it around in your soul. Glory to God. If you want to receive Christ as your Savior, walk down this aisle and meet us here. If you want to have your citizenship confirmed in the apostles' house, you already are part of the kingdom. Come on down. Let us meet you here today. Let us introduce you to the one who changed our lives. Once he changed our minds, I give you glory, honor, and praise. Oh, Jesus. There's an anointing on them drums today. Yes, God. The sinking that is happening between the psalm ministry over here is amazing. It's a different relationship over here. And it's a different sound that's coming because the relationship has changed over here. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. anointing huh. my god that's crazy bastard in the terms meaning abandoned unclaimed not fathered and i don't know if that's something generational but it, he just dropped it in my spirit now and he says you've been anointed for it break it off the lives of the people of god today so to all those whether you're hearing this today or you're hearing it down the line some years the Lord today is breaking the curse for the bastard off of your life and releasing an anointing. Thank you for the correction, Holy Spirit. And releasing an anointing to break the curse of the bastard off of your life. In the Old Testament, if you were born out of wedlock, you couldn't even enter into the church. God said that still happens in the realm of the spirit and it's preventing people from coming home to the church. Today, through the volume of the book that it is written and through the apostolic authority and call that is upon my life, I touch and agree with anyone right now, wherever you are, no matter what day, what distance, what time, just agree with me now by lifting your right hand. 
I break the bastard curse off of your life now in Jesus name it is broken it will not return it is your job to grow in that place to grow further from that place but that curse is off of your life and if you mature enough you can break it off of your children break it off of your children's children God can be good to you through all generation. If you're not sure if it's you, lift your hand and come into agreement with the anointing that's breaking the yoke for the curse of being a bastard. God help us. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Woo, we gotta go home. I still feel a prophetic service coming. We gotta do something. We gotta do something. We're gonna need a, a Friday night or something. And it just needs to be prophecy and worship and just hearing the God, hearing God, no protocol. Uh, we ushers need to be in it. They don't need to be at the door. Security needs to be in it. It is time for refilling. It is time for a baptism. God wants to do some new things in his church. I did hear the Lord say this morning also that um, revival is returning to the church, but we really need to understand what revival is. Revival is not what the church has experienced at all. Study what revival is and let's talk about it. We can do a word study on it together. If you're in here today, if you're online, if you're sitting with us anywhere today, please sow your seed. It is First Fruit Sunday. It is the day today where God is opening up our hearts to sow for what our income is for the month. And you can do it through your tithes, your offering, or however you choose to do it. But today is the day. And also remember, we always sow against the tax that comes with war. What does that mean? Whenever a word has been released in your life, whether it's been through preaching or prophesying or decreeing or declaring, there's a war that comes after it. The Bible teaches us, believe it or not, it's oddly took me years to believe it myself, that you can sow a tax to stop the war that comes for that word. God is amazing. Hallelujah. Study it for yourself. I love the word. If we're all done with our giving, you can come up if you're still working it out at the end of service. Father, as we prepare to leave this place, but never your presence, we thank you for the spirit of the living God that was in this place today, that is dwelling in us today. We give you glory. We give you honor, and we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Give somebody elbow dap. Just let them know you see them. Let them know you appreciate them. Let them know you love them. You can do it from the air. Just don't let people walk by like they don't matter. Give honor to 